We've had a wonderful series of talks. Please, 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 if you've missed any of them or want to be refreshed again, just go on our website, go to the, uh, you know, the media page. It's on the media, isn't it? Is it the media one? Oh, no, it's on talks. Yeah, that's right. And you can watch and hear the talks. They've been outstanding. They truly have. You know, we've had uh, more than the royal way, stewarding love, grace, and mercy, by, uh, bringing heaven to earth, stewarding greatness. And now I want to talk about stewarding our fi- finances. And I want to begin that by really coming back to Mark's first point, is that we are made in his image. And what is God like? Just let's shout it out. What is God like? Mighty, kind, all-powerful, loving, generous, and so on and so forth. We could spend all morning. We are called to be like that. That's what's, that is actually what's in our genetic code, spiritually. We're to be like that. I wonder if that's my mom. No. Uh, we are called to be like that. And actually what has happened is The ravages of sin have marred his image in us. And this whole business of redemption, salvation, this whole rescue mission that God has launched to save us is about restoring us to relationship with him, to one another, restoring his image within us. And as I said earlier on, the light of last night's uh, events, we have the just extraordinary capacity within us to be to be absolutely evil personified. We can embrace the dark side, to use the Star Wars analogy. Or we can excel. And all over this world, there are hundreds of thousands of millions of Christians who are quietly getting on and excelling. I'm going to tell you just one story, just to inspire and encourage you. I'm going to talk to you just for a moment about Osceola McCarty. I think we might have a picture of her. Here she is. Hands up if you know who Osceola McCarty is. I'm just well, my wife does. So. You're not getting a brownie point for that. I told you in the car. <laughs> Flipping egg. Pushing through to the front of the queue. Would you believe it? Cheeky monkey. Osceola McCarty was a, she's, she was born in 1908, she died in 1995, I think, and she was a washerwoman in uh, Mississippi, a place called Hattiesburg, Mississippi. She left school in, grade, in year six because her aunt was in need of uh, uh, home care, and she always wanted to go back to school, but she wasn't able to. Her aunt lived on for a while, and so when her aunt finally died and it was too late for her to go back to school, actually it's quite a touching story. She says that she wanted to go back to school, but she realized that all her friends are now in much higher classes, and uh, she would have had to have gone back into grade six, and she said, I just couldn't bear that. So I, I went to work with my mother and grandmother, no, no men around, by the way, and uh, she went to work as a washerwoman. And so for nearly 40 years, she did the laundry of those who could afford, and they didn't pay much to get their washing done. And she did it right up until three years before she died, when, uh, when arthritis just meant that she could not you know, wash any more clothes. But she had been trained from you know, knee-high to a grasshopper to be frugal. And she was frugal in extreme. 
Now, not in a mean-spirited sort of way, but she just worked all the hours that God sent. Sometimes she'd work straight through the night if, if a, a client needed their clothes quickly. And uh, she, uh, she, she never had a car. She never learned to drive. She never went on a trip. You know, she never went out dancing. She, uh, if her shoes got uh, too tight when she was growing up, she'd just cut the toes out so her toes could hang over the edge. Uh, uh, the only real joy, apart from the job, which she said was a joy, was a blessing, she, it was, was that she would go to uh, church on a Sunday, Friendship Baptist Church, and some friends took her in their car. And anyway, she saved. So she'd take a few dollars and a few cents down to the, the bank. She opened an account, and then she saved. And then about uh, five years or so before she died, the bank manager looked at this, and, and it was a considerable sum. It was something in excess of $150,000. So he, he, everybody knew her and looked out for her. And he said, Osiela, we, we, we've got to talk about your money. What do you want to have happen when, when you die? Because, you know, let's hope you've got many more years in you. But what do you want to have happen? And she said, well, I know what I, ha I want to have happen now. She said, oh, oh, right, fine, let, let, let's talk about that then. She said, I want to make a gift of a bursary to the Southern University, University of Mississippi uh, to create bursaries for preferably, not exclusively, but preferably black students for whom the only thing stopping them getting an education is money. Well, the bank manager said in 25 years of being a bank manager, he had never heard anything like it. So they set up this trust. And she said, I'm, I'm not going to wait till I die because they need it now. Anyway, when the university uh, got this donation, which was very significant for them even, it was only a small local university, they called up the bank manager and anyway, news got out. And before they knew it, there were matching loans coming in. There were people sending in 10 bucks, 100 bucks, 1,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks. Ultimately, a, a multi-billionaire who heard the story said, if Osceola can give everything she has, I can give a billion. A billion? It's amazing what a washable woman with the love of God in her heart. She, she tithed, by the way. See, she, she always gave her tithe, put a tithe... Every, every, on this, you know, just extraordinary story. She ultimately was awarded a citizen's, the highest citizen award, highest citizen's award in the U.S. by Bill Clinton, the president at the time. And Harvard University gave her an honorary doctorate. <laughs> she actually got many other awards as well. And uh, she was baffled and bamboozled by it all. And one day a journalist said to her, uh, which I thought was interesting, he said to her, uh, uh, Mrs. McCarthy, why didn't you spend some of this, well, you know, why didn't you spend this money on yourself? I mean, a lot of people work all their life to ensure a good retirement. And she said, well, I haven't got a car, and if I had one, I wouldn't know where to go in it. And she said, and to be perfectly honest with you, young man, I am spending it on myself. And uh, so that bursary is, is there today. 
I love that story. It is truly inspirational. Look it up in, on Google. There's tons and there's videos of her talking about it. Osceola McCarthy. It's an inspirational story. But what I love about it is that she's a little old lady. Of course, she wasn't a little old lady all her life. But it's astonishing what ordinary people can do, especially under the hands of God. Ordinary becomes extraordinary when we do it in partnership with God. Write that down. Ordinary becomes extraordinary when we do it in partnership with God. Jesus had a bit of a soft spot for uh, old ladies, didn't he? There was a, a, a kind of a, a lovely story. I'm going to skip on because of time, Mr. A person, AV person. Who's on AV today? Who is it? Let's, let's see you. Give that young man a big round of applause. Uh, let's turn, please, to Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44. I'm going to just skip a few things out there. Thank you. And this is the story of the widow's offering. Mark chapter 12, verses uh, 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. Now, Christians are very charitable people, and that's right that we are. I think you've heard me say, Wesley said, you know, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. We, are, we have a reputation for charity. But this, what I'm talking about here, is really beyond charity. In fact, many people are good at giving things away. Warren Buffett, one of the probably the most uh, you know, wealthiest industrialists and hedge fund owners, has decided he's going to give all his money to Bill and uh, Melinda Gates. You think, well, they've got lots of money. You know, what do they need that for? But in fact, Bill and, McGid Bill and Melinda Gates have set up this trust and they're giving away their fortune. And so Warren Buffett said, he was asked about that. and He said, well, I know how, how to make money. I don't know how to give it away. But Bill and Melinda seem to be doing a pretty good job of it. So I'll give it to them so they can give it away. You know, these are high profile people. But all over the world, you know, uh, all over the world, people are making significant contributions. Pastor Samuel, you know, we support uh, the Bethesda mission in, uh, in the Nilgiri Hills and have done for many years. I went over there and felt prompted to give him a, a thousand pounds. This was just, uh, we, we've given him a lot of money, but this was a, a little extra. I gave him a thousand pounds. It was meant to be for his family. He went out and bought 12, bought 12 bicycles uh, for uh, pastors, country pastors he knew of. And then he, he had them. On the side, it was a gift from Pastor Chris uh, <laughs> on, the, on the frame. And uh, I, I had to give them all away, you know, with a very... Oh, it was quite an occasion, you know. So, you know, but his heart, you see, it's his heart. It's the heart. And when I talk about tithing, which I'm about to do, I want you to know it's the heart. God looks at the heart. God looked at this old lady's heart. He knew it wasn't much, but it was everything she had. And only a very special kind of person can give away everything they have. It's somebody who is a good steward. 
You see, people who love God, love Jesus, for them it's, it, it, it's not how much can I sort of uh, get away with giving to make me look good or will the papers pick up on this. There are people like Osceola who just quietly get on with it, a few bucks here and a few bucks there, but they're faithful in it. God loves faithfulness. That's why tithing is so important, because it's a faithful thing. I was talking to a, uh, one of our leaders, actually, just a, week, uh, uh, just a month ago, and they were saying that they were having a real struggle, bless their hearts, tithing, because it just kind of goes out. I just do it. I don't even think about it. it doesn't, you know, I don't even feel anything. And I, I had to stop this. You know, it's not about feelings, whether you feel this is the right thing to do, or you get a warm fuzzy-wuzzy. This is about just faithfulness. It's just about doing the right thing. And so what this dear woman here in, in the scriptures, and I'm sure Osceola as well, they had really gripped hold of, you know, the first commandment. Uh, and let's just look at Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Uh, it's uh, a, just a wonderful passage, isn't it? So I'm sorry, I'm going back one step, aren't I? Uh, sorry, Ma- uh, Matthew 22, 36, 40, I mean. Matthew 22, 36, 40. And it goes like this. It says, uh, teacher... One of the uh, teachers of the law asked him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment, the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, that is written on the heart of a good steward, a good son. Love the Lord your God above all things. Uh, You know, that's why, in part, we today were jealous that in spite of the events in our nation recently, we were jealous that God was not robbed of his worship and his glory. It matters to us. God's glory matters. We need to proclaim him in dark days, not apologize and keep quiet because we're Christians and we don't want to be asked difficult questions. You know, it's about putting God first. And, uh, you know, this this is one of those things. We put God first, heart first, Soul and mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul and your mind. And then you love others in what order? God, neighbor, and self. It's all there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with your mind. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, that's the way it works. You know, Flissy and I, I I'm not going to spend time talking about us here, but we have been trying to work this one out for 30 years now. And we have found two things which have amazed us. One, we have discovered great joy in giving. Great joy. So much so that Fliss has had to say to me, will you stop giving money away, Chris? (laughs) Didn't you just say that to me last week? We've just got, there's something about it. But the other thing I found, I said there were two things, is that the more we give away, the more more God seems to, to give us. Uh, some of you know my story. Flissy and I have, on two occasions now, given away, well, on the first occasion, we gave away everything we had, which was a lot. And then on the second time, we, we made some kingdom choices which really were going to affect us in terms of our finances. Two great occasions where we had to really crucify that scream inside of us, which was to hang on, to acquire more, to keep it all. And now we find ourselves 
blessed beyond what we ever thought. And I, I, I pinch myself, where has this all come from? How's this happened? It seems to me that the more you give, the more you want to give, and the more you get, it is an extraordinary principle. I can't, I'm not gonna spend more time on that. But I want you to know there is joy in giving, which is why God says, I love a cheerful giver. And that was the trouble with the scribes and the Pharisees. They gave, they gave what they ought, and they did it begrudgingly. They even tried to cheat their parents by wangling the law a little bit. It's just not on, it's just not on. So God says, put me first, putting God first, putting God first. And uh, in the word of God, we're encouraged to give God our first fruits, not the end of you know, what's left over. We don't give God the leftovers. You wouldn't give, you know, if somebody came to your house, even if they were just dropping in, you wouldn't give them the leftovers, would you? You know, you'd, you'd, make, you'd give them the best portion. Why do we think that we can give God the leftovers of our finances? Well, if I can at the end of the month, I'll see what we can do. You know, it wasn't, I know I couldn't do a lot, but, but was, let's try this one. Oh dear, this has come up. Why do we think that's honoring to God? It isn't. And the scripture addresses that and talks about the first fruits. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 9 to 10 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and vats will brim, bring, brim over with new wine. There's that prosperity thing. You know, the Gospels are all about making us prosper, but truly prosper, body, mind, and spirit. It's a holistic thing. You know, a thing came out this week, some of you will have read it, Steve Jobs, his, uh, his dying, a little dying thing he wrote has just come out. As maybe it's been, has it been around for a while, that Steve Jobs thing, Mark? Do you know? Or, uh, but anyway, it came out this week. You can read it on the internet. And, uh, you know, he's just lying there. He says, I'm lying here on my, I, I've acquired great wealth and reputation in my life. I'm lying here in the dark, dying. And all I can see is the green lights of the machines that are keeping me alive and hearing the ventilator keeping my, my he said, and I realize at this point, at this point in my life, that it's all been for nothing. That all that really matters is love. Loving God and loving your family. Well, that's a bit late in the day to discover that, you know. I have a friend who says, I've been rich and I've been poor. I much prefer being rich. Well, I, yeah, I understand that and I agree with that to some degree. <laughs> but Plissy and I have been poor and we have been rich. And we feel pretty rich at the moment. But it's just about the heart. We've always tried to put God first. That's why I can exhort you in this way because I'm not ashamed to say, put God first and you will be blessed. And this tithe is the underlying, and you know, I'm going to talk a bit more, there isn't time now, but I will talk some more about, people get very muddled about the whole business of giving to God. There are three main strands of giving. Tithes, that's 10%, first fruits, give that to God. And just think what that meant in an agricultural society. You've been waiting all winter. You've been you know, anxious throughout the spring in case a storm came and destroyed your, your, your crop. You've been anxious through the summer in case it got too dry and everything you know, shriveled up. This is an agricultural society. Finally, it's harvest time. And wouldn't you just want to take the first bunch of grapes and just gorge on it or take it all home and give you... But it says in the scriptures, give the first fruits to God. Can you imagine the faith and discipline that that took? We, we've lost that sense of putting God first. 
Give the first fruits of God. My tithe, our tithe, goes out on the first of the month. And if I had it my way, it would be the first thing that would appear on my statement. A number of things go out on the first of the month. And I would love it to be that. It just doesn't work like that. On the first of the month, our tithe, our 10% goes to God. And we're, we've always looked at that. But then there are offerings and acts of righteousness. I will explain more about that later. But let's just talk about this tithe thing. Okay, seven reasons to put God first. Seven reasons. First of all, God gave first. You can't get around that. God gave first. He's not saying, you do it and then I'll bless you. He has already blessed us. God gave first. Secondly, tithing is an act of worship. Have you ever considered that? It is an act of worship. It's saying to God, I love you. I love you over and above myself. It's also a, a, an act of maturity, of good stewardship, understanding that the, the, you know, the church of Jesus Christ, if we are to be the hope of the world, has got to be financed and taking that responsibility. You know, we, we talked at the beginning of this year about coming of age. And, you know, when you, when you come of age, you, uh, you start paying the bills, hopefully. Well, you should do. It took me a little while when we first got married to realize that. I couldn't understand why I kept getting all these wonderful red letters. Aren't they pretty? And then I realized they were threatening to sue me and take my... <laughs> you know, a bit of a wake-up call. But, you know, we, we have to learn. We have to learn maturity. And, and so we take our place in the church of Jesus Christ. And we give so that others can flourish. So anyway, so it's an act of worship. Secondly, tithing is an act of gratitude. God loves gratitude. He loves uh, you know, um, just, just that heart where you just keep saying, thank you, God. Thank you. I know many of you do. And the older I get, the more I do. And not, never, a night doesn't go, never a night goes by where I don't get up. And kneel, and this is in the middle of the night. I'll kneel down beside my bed and just thank God for his blessing upon myself and my family. And you guys, the blessing that you are to us, to Fliss and myself, that is part of my, my routine. I don't set an alarm, but God always wakes me up. Usually on the dead of the hour, it's really uncanny. I'll get up, look at my watch. Yep, it's five o'clock dead, or it's seven o'clock dead, or it's whatever it is dead. It's extraordinary. And I just get up, and, and I'll, then I'll kneel down and uh, often doze off. <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know. But the cat usually wakes me up. The cat comes in and starts, sort of gives me a prod. Get on, pray. Get on, hurry up. <laughs> These are little homey stories that it's true. But tithing is an act of gratitude. It's saying, God, all things come from you, and of your own do we give you. It's not mine, me, me, mine. It's it's yours. And God wants us to prosper. And so he says, listen, let's start. This is a five, I call it, sometimes I call tithing a five-finger exercise. A lot of people don't understand this. And I, I always think this is a brilliant illustration, but, but um, a lot of people don't understand it. But a five-finger exercise, if I understand it, is if you're learning to play an instrument, you, you do five-finger exercises. Is that right, Lizzie? Is that for piano or, or, or what? Is it? Anyway, it's, a five, it's an exercise you do repeatedly in order to... Learn how to become a musician, a pianist or something. A five-finger exercise. Tithing is the five-finger exercise of generosity. What, do you want, what should I do? Where do I start? Well, there you go, tithing. 
Let's start with tithing. We'll talk about offerings and acts of righteousness and all the really fun things beyond that. But it's the beginning. It's the beginning of maturity. It's where God says, listen, son, Chris, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a bunch of money. We'll call it a salary. But I'm going to give you this salary for what you do as your day job. And the way it's going to work is this. It's going to be one for you, and 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 one for me. Let's start with that five-finger exercise. That seems pretty good to me. That seems pretty generous. It's not nine, one for you, and one for me, and one for you. That seems a pretty good place to start. The number of conversations over the years I've had with Christians who've really wriggled and writhed under that. Folks, it's an act of stewardship. Tithing is an act of faith. It's giving the first fruits. It's saying, God, I trust you. You know how tight the budget is this month, and I certainly didn't need that flat tire. But Lord God, I trust you. One of my daily prayers is still, you know, we've talked a little about fear. One of my daily prayers is, Lord, uh, I repent of fear. I refuse to walk in fear. Linda Hall said to me many, many years ago when I was deliberating and agonizing over a decision, uh, a risk-taking, a risky venture, which, well, it looked risky to me, but something I knew we needed to do, but I, I was still growing as a leader and I was anxious about this. And she said, Chris, you know, I, I, we've walked, John and I have walked with you for quite a few years now. And forgive me for saying this, Chris, but you can either walk by faith or you can walk by fear. Which way is it going to be? <laughs> Ow! <laughs> are you going to walk by fear? Or are you going to walk by faith? I thought that was the word of God. I don't even she even remembers that, but I remember it. I'm telling you about it. Tithing is an act of faith. Giving that one is an act of faith. God knows what we're like. God knows, God knows what grips us, what fears come upon us in the middle of the night. But I say, Lord, I repent of fear. I repent of anxiety. And there's a few other things I repent of. Tithing is an act of spiritual warfare. Jesus' second most favorite theme was, was dealing with mammon, money, those things that hold us and tie us to this world. You know, Rick Warren makes the comment, he says, there's two great themes in Scripture. Sal the, the story of salvation and, and the story of money, the story of mammon. And he says, of these two things, it's usually mammon that seems to grip the church more. Oh, that we were just sold out on the, 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 the you know, the, the glories of God's grace and mercy. I'm not so trapped by the fears and anxieties, the chains that the enemy would throw upon us. Henry Fielding, the 18th century poet, said, if you make money your master, it'll plague you like the devil. So anyway, we find ourselves in this place where it's an act of spiritual warfare. We're, we're breaking away from the norm. Tithing is an investment in the, in the future. The tithe goes to the church, not the donkey sanctuary or, the, or something else. It, it's, it goes to the church. It supports the ministry. I don't mind telling you that you know, we need to put on about 100,000 pounds on our general giving. We have given so generously 
for next door that we've actually, we've, we've actually suffered in our general fund, the stuff that just does the pace of the ordinary bills. We need to build that up. So we need to tithe into the church. We need to do that. We, we need to do that in order to fulfill God's purposes for us. Because anybody can, well, I say anybody, it takes a lot, but it's great things with all the fanfare and the mayor comes to open up a place like next door, but, but actually the hard bit is, is running it afterwards. When, it's not, when the mayor isn't there, when the paper hasn't done a thing on you, when, when you're just, it's a, it's a cold Monday and you, know, you hear that the roof is leaking. We're having to put a new roof on next door. All these things. Tithing is an investment in the future and it all boils down to this. We're to put God first. I love that story of Osceola McCarty. I do encourage you, if you want to just read something really heartwarming, just look her up on Google this afternoon. Read that story, Osceola McCarty. If you forget her name, just look up Washerwoman. Google Washerwoman Gives Money to University. It'll come up. It's an extraordinary story. And it's all about someone who understood that actually, if she sacrificed, she could do wonderful things. Ordinary people do extraordinary things when they're doing them with God. So anyway, I'm going to ask the band up now, and I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for you, pray over you. We had a prophetic word just before the service that there are people coming in who are chained with fear. Maybe you've got fear about your finances. Maybe you're frightened about your safety and your security. Maybe you're afraid about your family. Perfect love casts out all fear. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Maybe the whole idea of tithing to the church fills you with horror. Well, we need to break through that and help you with this. So I just want you to bow your heads. And while the band get themselves sorted, I'm going to pray over you. Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you to you for your presence. I thank you that you sent your church, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and you turned a bunch of guys who were afraid of for their lives, hiding away in an upper room, wondering what was going to happen next, when there was going to be the knock at the door that would carry them off into captivity and goodness knows what else. But your Spirit fell upon them, Lord God, and they became game changers. They became those who broke the power of, 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 of the enemy, the hold on the, the then known world. And the gospel went forth. And people sold their goods and brought it to the apostles' feet so that the ministry could go on in power without being hindered in any way. And Lord God, we want to say thank you. And for every single person here, I just want to let everyone close your eyes. If, if you are aware of living with high levels of fear and anxiety in your life, just raise your hand now. There you go. It's not God's plan for you. You know that. And in Jesus' name, in the, with the authority that God has given me, I Break those chains. And I say, Lord, let the love and the light and the confidence and the hope that is Christ flood in on this Pentecost day to every single one of these folk. 
May they know your blessing. May they know your freedom. Give them fear over all that, that, that uh, hinders them and overshadows them. And Father, we pray your blessing on the finances of all these people in this church, that they may not only tithe, but give generously beyond what they thought was possible. And we ask it all for the glory of Jesus and in his name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you guys.